0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. This is a previously unscheduled podcast. Some people would call it emergency. I don't know. I'm not in a, uh, I don't feel like emergency, but emergency happens after after trades. Um, this is um, this is a big moment in the NBA that just happened today. Robert Sarver announcing that he is going to sell the Phoenix Suns. Um, joining me, we were all together in LA yesterday, but today's a new day. And joining me from uh Oakland is Mark J Spears from Manscape. Hey, Mark.
1: What's happening, man? I, I, yeah, this is this is a big deal.
0: And joining me from Los Angeles, in a room I was just in like twelve hours ago, <laughs> is Ramona Shelburne, fresh off the set of NBA Today. How's it going?
2: G- going well, going well. I know that I, I've I've done a little rearranging of all the furniture in this room, Brian. So
0: I know. See if you recognize yeah. it. That's right. <laughs> um, so Spears, uh, you've been. um very vocal, uh, both on television and on social media. Uh, I just want to know, I mean, I saw what you wrote, but I, I wanted to know what you thought about today when Robert Sarver put out that statement that he was going to sell the team. We'll talk about the statement and what's in it. But I just I just wanted to, uh, to um, know what your reaction was.
1: Um, pleasantly surprised and ecstatic. Uh, and um, I like to say that I think the players had a lot to do with it. You know the NBA decided not to push for Saber to be pushed out like they did with Sterling. Um, the owners were never put to a vote. Draymond Green suggested yesterday that they they should. Um, but I, I just I want do... to say
0: I don't want to interrupt you, but that was a big moment yeah. when Draymond did that. In my in my view, that was yeah. a big moment.
1: So I, I kind of felt with LeBron James's tweet, Chris Paul's tweet, Draymond's words on the podcast. Like the the, the the players were starting to boil the water hotter and hotter. And I think it was going to reach a boiling point on Sunday and Monday and still will uh, from media days uh, when, you know, we'll hear from stars throughout the league, players uh, who, you know, can be have activist mentalities throughout the league. Um, but also Suns Media Day, which Brian, you and I are planning to attend. I mean, I I can't wait to hear from Monty Williams, Devin Booker, Chris Paul in length, Deandre Ayton, Bridges, and then you know James Jones, who I'm guessing got his arm twisted a little bit to to support Saber in the beginning, based on his position. His, so
0: his support was f- tepid. It was.
1: Yes. It's it like was, this is, I work here. I'm the high yeah. position. I, he he gave name rank and so.
0: Yeah, he gave a. He gave name, rank, and serial number essentially.
1: Uh, yeah. But I, I do think that, you know, it's it's one thing to be a tough guy and want to fight it out. But when you're somewhere where you're not welcome, where people don't want you to be. And Brian, I think one thing that we'll see on Monday that nationally that we haven't been able to see is the pain that's in Phoenix right now. Like I I I, I think Baxter has uh Holmes, who did an amazing reporting job, has has given us some of that. But when I've talked to people from Phoenix, man, whether it's uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, women, people that work there, um, black people, like there's I mean, there's a lot of pain there that I think we will feel stronger when we get there. So I think with Sarver, like he probably was already kind of. You know, he can't go anywhere in Phoenix without somebody looking cross-eyed at him right now, right? When before he was treated like a, you know, a celebrity. Um, And then to know that when you come back, the players don't want you back. Like, why would you want to be a part of it? So it actually happened faster than I thought. Me too. Uh, uh, But um, I'm glad it did. And it it, it probably (laughs) takes a lot of heat off the NBA and the owners. Uh, for what could have been you know some very potentially inter- interesting uh, reactions from the players and maybe actions from the players once media day and the season arrives
0: yeah Ramona I actually I think we got to where it was supposed to go which is Robert Sarver saying I'm out mm-hmm. but it was an upsetting way to get there yeah Um I know a lot of people are happy but I'm I'm upset by the way this whole thing played out. It, 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 it doesn't sit right with me. It, 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 you know, there's a, there was a rejoicing that, that the players were able to force action, and I respect that, but this is the third owner in the last eight years now who has sold his team under a racial cloud. And it's very upsetting because I work in the league every day of the year, And I want to believe that it is a progressive league and this keeps happening. And it, it, it does, I guess it's progress, but it, it feels, it's also feels like a setback to me. And now this is three times in eight years. And um, so Robert Sarver is not a part of the league. It's a good day for the NBA, but it's also, a day the NBA has to look itself in the mirror and realize that there's some, Great there's some point. stuff in that mirror that ain't, it's not, it doesn't look good yeah. too.
2: Um, You know, change doesn't happen in a straight line, right? Like there's, there's not just like, it's not like a graph that goes up, you know, in a, in a nice progression, there's ups and downs to it. There's, there's two steps forward, one step back, there's high moments. And I think that, like, we got to the right place, though. Like, you know, that, that that's, and I, and I, we've talked about the public pressure that we've seen the players put on. And I, um, I, I, I have to commend all three of the big voices here. Um, LeBron James, kind of like LeBron James, what was interesting this time, it reminded me a lot of the Sterling situation where that happened. The tape comes out. LeBron is the first player of note in front of a microphone the next morning at shoot around. It was the Miami Heat, we're playing in a playoff series. And he stepped forward in front of the microphone and said, there's no place for Donald Sterling in this league. And when LeBron spoke, it kind of opened the door for everybody else to speak. But also it kind of compelled everybody else to speak too, right? Um, I think it was in this one, LeBron was not asked. He just That's tweeted. True. He took it upon himself to, be, to, to give an opinion. Same with Chris Paul. Like he was not in front of a microphone where his opinion was asked at media day he took it upon himself to tweet and to say that and not just tweet. Um, I'm hurt by the allegation. I'm hurt by the report. I'm hurt by what's in it. But he said, our league definitely got this wrong in terms of the one year punishment. Like that's, that is specific. And that is, and then Draymond. Um, didn't just express anger. Draymond called to action. He put forth some actionables. I want the owners to vote on this. I think that, you know, people I mean, need to step in.
0: And I got and- I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I I just give me you give me a moment when you're done to talk about Draymond. Yeah. So go ahead. And he, you know, he
2: he did his homework. Like this wasn't, you know, it was like there's raw anger and emotion, which you talked about, Mark. But but there's also if you're going to take action, you know, it's one thing to just get mad about. It. It's another thing to to be very specific in what you're asking for. And I think that really mattered. Plus, and I can tell you this, um, reporting on this story throughout, but also especially today. Um, there were a lot of there was a lot of private pressure on Robert Sarver as well. Um, we knew about PayPal and and they were going to end their relationship with the Suns as long as Sarver was still involved. I know of another very large corporation and sponsor of the league and and the Suns that was right behind them. There was several other big companies that were lining up to sort of the dominoes were about to fall behind the scenes. Um, in terms of don't you think he knew that? Don't you? I mean like oh yeah he
0: knew he knew he was yes. going to take. An absolute gut shot after you gut shot starting on Monday. Yes.
2: Yeah. And it was going to be Sunday. Monday was media day. Well, right. Um, The media day started Sunday. You're right. Right. And so, so this was, that was going to, the dominoes were going to start falling. And so he had a, and, and, and and I can say this too, Um, Adam Silver put forth the punishment public and he gave remarks on it and he explained himself. There was also a lot of private pressure though, coming from around the league on Sarver um, helping to get Sarver there, he obviously resisted uh, quite a bit in terms of the first punishment, and then especially to sell the team. You can see in his statement, which we can dissect later if you want. Um, he thinks he's, you know, he sort of chalked it up to cancel culture as a, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. That was that was we'll, we'll not exactly contrite. Okay, okay? yeah,
0: um, but it was um, you <laughs> not exactly contrite. That's that's yeah. more, that's more kindless than he deserves, quite frankly.
2: Yeah. Um, but, but there was a lot of pressure and the dominoes were about to start falling very publicly and more embarrassingly, uh, for both Robert Sarver and the league. And, and I hate to say this in a cold way, but, uh, he was about to become very bad for business. Yeah. And I well, think that's why we got here as quickly as we did.
1: And I, I, I think we also have to give some respect to, uh, and, and I, I'm probably butchering her last name because I love this woman, so I want to want to say it right. Uh, Tamika Tramelio,
0: Tremaglio, but close Tremaglio, enough, and you're right. Yeah. From
1: the, from That's the right. executive director of the uh, Players Association. And she sent me a statement the other day that was really, really strong, basically saying that there was no place in this league for Sarver. The next day, she doubled down on it went on NBA Today, talked to Malika Andrews and, and said that he should be out of the league. She is the voice of the players. Yeah. The, the, the She four, came the off so
0: strong in that interview with yes. Malika. And Malika, mm-hmm. like said, I, I just want to put a point on this, Tamika. You, This is what you are saying. And she like unequivocally said, yeah. we want him banned. And she did it with a forceful elegance. And this is somebody who we are just learning about, yeah. even the players uh, who are all learning about her. She has been in the job only a couple of months yeah. and is in the middle of collective bargaining agreement talks right now,
2: Yeah,
0: which is yeah. her number one job, quite frankly. Maybe she would argue that, but from a business standpoint, it's her number one job. And, you know,
1: she looks real frank- strong right now. She looks real, yeah. real yeah. frankly,
0: frankly, um, uh, I would even have given her a pass. If she sort of said uh, she let it go a little bit because the CBA talks were more important to the 450 players, but she didn't. She didn't. She came out, and then they put out another statement. Uh, the players, uh, the the, the uh, WNBA, uh, or was it was it was, a, was the WNBA Players Association today? Yeah. But the the players associate the WNBA Players Association put out a statement today before Sarver, like the associations um, which Tamika's obviously runs, but. They were very strong. The union stepped up strongly here. You're right, Spears.
1: Yeah. So no kudos to her. We're going to get to know her a lot more. Um, On a fun note, she makes a mean rum cake and she's probably one of the best dressers (laughs) in the world. Uh, Her
0: fashion. How do you just Ramona, how do you describe her fashion? Her fashion is elaborate. Yes.
1: I, I can't I can't tell but, 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 where but one... just but not in a bad way in a in a no. like wow.
0: No, yeah. I don't know anybody who dresses like her and you can't tell where one article of clothing ends <laughs> and the other one starts. It's just like uh it's uh a, it's right, like the, a the, portrait. The,
2: the, <laughs> the way you're just what you're looking for is it makes a statement.
0: Yeah. You know.
2: Yes. Yes. Makes a statement. They it, it's it's a take notice, right? She like
1: made a almost, she made a he, verbal
0: we, statement the other day.
1: Yeah. Get get her some like theme music when she walks into a room, you know, like Oof. some kind of like shaft kind of thing or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> when
1: she walks in the room, like you like the glasses, everything. I
0: like
1: you, yeah. She ain't just throwing on a hoodie. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> no. I feel like her hoodie got diamonds on it or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. no, I mean, on a serious note, no, nah, she it's made no bones about how she felt. And for the players that, you know, perhaps are a little gun shy about saying anything, she spoke for them. And very strongly. Very.
0: I want to talk about Draymond for a moment. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Draymond has talked about new media um, and some of it over the months has been a tweaking of the media because, you know, he, he, in some cases, he doesn't think the media knows what they're talking about. And sometimes he's right. And sometimes he's full of it. Okay. We can agree on that. Maybe he doesn't agree, but I'm telling you from my viewpoint, sometimes he's full of it and sometimes he's right. Draymond's usage of his podcast here was high level, was high level chess.
1: Mic drop. Mm -hmm.
0: We know that Draymond is a very smart individual. Um, But Draymond's um, usage of his podcast to get that message across and what he was asking for and the way he presented it was a masterpiece. And what he wanted was he wanted the owners to vote. He, because there is a process yeah. in which you can remove an owner and it requires a two thirds vote, which I think would be 23 no, quarters,
2: three
0: quarters, oh, three quarters. Right. So it yeah. would need 24 yes votes. And he was basically like, are you with us or against us? Show us now. Adam Silver in that press conference, which was painful for a number of reasons, stumbled around talking about how that process was very cumbersome and complicated
2: Look, and, it's not C-span, right? Like it's not going to be televised, but we're gonna find out. right
0: we're gonna find out. And um, even if we didn't find out maybe, would know we would have known, we we known a lot, I'm sure.
1: And And then Brian, um, either way, I'll say this too, even if we didn't find out if the end result was supportive of Sarver, then every owner gets branded that way regardless of how yeah, they voted. Yeah. It
0: was right. It was a power chess move and i don't know what calls and text messages robert sarver was taking um but when i listened to that podcast i was like wow what's going to happen from here um because lebron used like lebron plays basketball lebron came down the lane and ran over him for an and one Mm-hmm. Draymond, like he plays basketball, came down, looked off one defender, used a play that he had set up three <laughs> quarters before to yeah. hit a guy on a back cut for a perfect play. It was absolutely an incredible use of the platform, an incredible use of strategy, and incredible delivery. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, if I was an owner, I would not want any part of that because while I didn't think there would be a vote, like players who heard Draymond say that would come to media day on Monday and say, that's a good idea. Let's call for a vote. And uh, before, um, before Silver's press conference, uh, Tim Bontemps was in New York at the hotel where Silver was going to give his press conference. And I was in Cleveland doing a Donovan Mitchell availability. And before in the morning, Tim and I got on the phone and we wanted to formulate questions. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to get Adam Silver on the record about whether or not Robert Sarver had been asked or urged to voluntarily sell because that was the right thing for the league to do. That maybe that they couldn't, you know, throw them out without opening themselves up to a very painful lawsuit. Um, maybe there wasn't the support amongst the owners to do that anyway, because it opens up a can of, you know, if Robert Sarver can be, uh, you know, really brought to, uh, to, to accountability for statements he made 10, 12 years ago, what other statements were made 10, 12 years ago that can be used? I mean, it's an uncomfortable position for the owners. And one of the things that, that Tim asked was, did you ask, did you talk to Robert Sarber about voluntarily selling And Adam said, no, said, you know, pretty much unequivocally. No, I didn't believe Adam, but I I'm sure that that was something that the NBA wanted. And so whether it was Draymond, whether it was LeBron, whether it was the fear of next week, whether it was the fear of sponsors, whether it was whatever what Adam Silver has said, or other owners and maybe people could influence Robert Sarver had said, um, it all came together and it got, I think, the best outcome for the league. Um, but Spears, I think Draymond's words were, to to my viewpoint, as powerful as what LeBron
1: did. I mean, he uh, and then it, there's timing too, right? like him waiting to when he did it um and and I certainly like when LeBron tweets and when Chris tweets that that resonates throughout the league mm-hmm. but Jamon gave you a sermon <laughs> like, Yep. yeah gave you a soliloquy and I I really wish I knew kind of behind the scenes what his words uh may, maybe they were the final push to say all right let me let me let me move on, and what he's what he's been able to do from a media standpoint, man, that dude man it's 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 been incredible, like I still remember Brian, I always tell him this, like I remember when you were a second round pick coming off the bench in summer league, so to see him come from that to like go from making eight hundred and fifty thousand to like fifteen million to making the money he is now, and then become the voice that he is in the league its, it's his story is pretty incredible certainly worthy of a a a documentary um that you know i i it's just it's just stunning what he's been able to do and he's going to be the next charles barkley um so i'm really um impressed by Draymond on a daily basis um you know the sad thing and the sorrow thing i'm well a sad a lot of sad things but uh, shout out to one of my old college basketball teammates, a guy named Curtis Francis. And Curtis said, you know what? He texted me this in our Foothill College group chat that I'm still on. He's like, he's still going to get paid, man. Mm Sarver's still going to get paid. And I looked at it. In 2004, you know, Lute Olson, Arizona coach, referred Sarver to Steve Kerr. So I'm like curious to see what Steve Kerr has to say about all this and to oh, assist him. Steve Kerr
0: quit working for him at one yeah, point. Exactly. He spoke with his actions on that.
1: Yeah, and but uh, I'll be very curious to hear what Steve has to say now. But in 2004, Sarver purchased the team for a record $401 million, which at that time seemed like a ton of money.
2: A lot, yeah.
1: And now, dare I say, he could probably get $2.5 Maybe three billion.
0: Yeah, so I think it's if he, three. So let me go over some things. So Sarver bought the team in two thousand four with a group, and um, he paid two hundred million dollars in cash, and he assumed two hundred one million dollars in debt, which was normal on NBA teams. Yeah, um, he he owns about thirty five percent now. I don't know what he owned. I don't know what he went in for then, but he only owns personally about a third of it. So, um, so he's
1: selling his stake.
0: Yes, but Baxter Holmes reported this today, and I've talked to some people this afternoon. Every ownership agreement is different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, we get what you can negotiate. And so Robert Sarver, according to Baxter and Baxter's reporting is, you know, pretty damn good here. He has the right to make all of his uh, partners sell, too. And if it's listen, Ramona, if it's if it's two and a half billion or more that they're that they're going to get, most of those guys are probably going to want to cash out anyway. But there were some owners who were against him, you know, specifically the number two shareholder. uh, OK, John Jaffe. Sarver could force him to sell and not be a part of it anymore.
1: Ramona, let me throw this in there, too, real quick. So once this team sells, and I know you guys have an answer for this, if there are going to be two expansion teams that come into the NBA, does this also benefit the owners? Because now it will have risen the price of what you could pay, have to pay for an expansion team. Yes,
0: but that was going to happen anyway, Spears. I don't, but the, but I don't does this think...
1: push it up even more?
0: Yeah, any team sale – there's because only been now one that you'll sell. have a
1: recent team that is sold, like it's, it's like who, who was the previous team before, right? The Clippers, right? Yes. And there's been some teams. Well, no, the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves, and the jazz, right? And the Jets. But this, I think, could even raise the number even more astronomical. Yes. For an expansion team than art, so the owners are, yes. in large are going to get paid from this too.
0: Well, the owners I think are ha- are happy to see Robert go. I'm not sure how many owners. Were, would really defend Robert. I think what they were defending was a precedent that you could have an action brought against you from 10 years ago and it could force you to sell. I don't think they were crazy about that. But as far as getting Sarver out and getting a new number for a team in a premium market, because it's a Phoenix is a small market relative to like New York, San Francisco, LA, but it's a desirable market. What were you going to say, Ramona? So
2: what you brought up about John Najafi, um, there is one really important point to make here. Robert Sarver is going to decide who buys the team, who he sells the team to.
0: That's right It will
2: have to be approved by other owners, but about uh, you know the board of, board by the board of Governors, but he has he gets to decide who he sells to, okay? Um, I would be shocked if he sold to John Najafi because John has very been been very public about saying he wants him out he's sort of you know, I think he's now issued two letters, right? Um, you know that that also affects
1: now, another he person. Say, did he say he didn't want to buy? Uh,
2: yes, yeah, I think he said that. But I, you know, like in other words, when you're speak- speaking about, could the other shareholders, the other side I think he wanted to make it a group?
0: clear that he wasn't doing this to try to get right. the, his hands on the team. Yeah, that's right. Th- okay, know, so uh, I'm not so sure a, that if yeah, go ahead.
2: Here's a, here's a couple larger points. Um, when uh, another name that you're going to hear surface is Bob Iger. Okay. Former CEO of Disney recently retired. Um, Bob has been involved in two professional sports group bids so far. So he's a shonen She's, he was involved in one of the groups that was trying to buy Chelsea, the, the football club in the English premier league, and also was involved in the group, trying to get the Raiders and the chargers to go to LA a couple of years ago, if you remember um, he's also very close with Chris Paul Um, that, that relationship is well-documented. Bob has a long history with the NBA, uh, as a broadcast partner. And, um, from what I understand, he'd be interested here, but this is also, you know, Robert Savers selling the team. So is he gonna, you know, would he sell it to somebody who, whose company wrote a story that helped facilitate all this? I don't know. Um, John Najafi, uh, second largest shareholder, a stakeholder in the Suns you know, he's on record saying I wasn't doing this so I could buy the team. Like, would he have a chance? I don't think somebody, and especially after the statement I just read um, uh, from Sarver, he doesn't seem all that contrite. And uh, (laughs) I think personal relationships are going to matter here, right? Like if he's feeling burned about how this all went down or having to sell, it didn't seem like he really wanted to. He just stepped aside because it was going to get bad for business and, and, and become such a distraction. But there are the usual suspects. I mean, the calling around. You know, the the richest man uh, outside of Elon Musk in the world is is uh, Jeff Bezos, right? The CEO of Amazon. Lorraine Lorraine Jobs, who is a part owner in Washington, is another name I've I've been hearing. Larry Ellison been involved with team hmm. bids before. Um, you know, go look at all the people who were involved in the and who bid on the Clippers. That'd be another in, ah, in recent sales. Oh,
0: allow me to talk about somebody. Okay.
1: Hey, hold that thought real quick. So Adam Silver just put out a statement. He said I fully accept okay. the decision by Robert Sarver to sell the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. This is the right next step for the organization and community.
0: Adam got bailed out a little bit on this one. It's not all his fault. <laughs> but, but I'll tell
2: you this. Yes, you you're right in in, in actuality, um, you know, look, he he had to he he took a lot of heat for the last for the last couple of you know, weeks, right? Ramona, I'm going to hold him to platform. his
0: words. I, I know I'm yeah. going to hold him to his words. He said publicly, I, I know that behind the scenes, he sure. might've done something, but I'm going to hold him to his words. He said publicly. Um, let okay. me just bring up one more potential uh, bitter. Um, you've heard of the now late Sheldon Adelson, who yeah. owns um, the Venetian, uh, Venetian Sands. I, maybe it's just Sands is the name of his. He's a casino owner. Passed away. His his, uh, estate is in excess of $25 billion. Yeah. Um, His wife, Miriam, inherited the money. His son-in-law, Patrick Dumont, runs the estate. That group, the Adelson family, is interested in the NBA. They were one of the bidders on the Clippers. Um, Their bid Mm -hmm. was blown out of the water by Steve Ballmer. They're obviously Las Vegas-based and if, in the event of there being a Las Vegas expansion team, they were one of the groups that would be a potential bidder, and maybe that would thinking that there may be an expansion team in Las Vegas, maybe that would preclude them from really going after this. But if you can't, if you if you can't buy the Lakers or the Clippers, and and you don't you know if there's going to be an expansion team in yeah. Vegas, and you live in Vegas, the next best thing is the Suns, um, and uh, I think they've kicked the tires on buying pieces of teams in the past. So that's another name I'll toss out there.
2: Um, I'm curious about the Seattle groups that have been positioned for years. Um, If there was a team moving there, you know, there's at least two groups pretty, um, pretty close on this, uh, you know, in Seattle, but do you want to wait and see if there's expansion or do you want a team that's for sale now?
0: I would say unlikely on the Seattle groups because uh, one of them uh, owns the Kraken, and the other has a whole bunch of land. The one that Balmer was previously associated with before about the Clippers has all the land and they wanted, they wanted to build the arena on the land that they own. They still own the land, I think. So, I don't know. I'm not going to rule that out, but I, I would say, but we're going to see. The point is uh, guys, there's going to be a lot of bidders here and yeah. Sarver's going to be the one that gets to, gets to decide. Um, well, let me,
1: let me interject in that real quick too. One thing I always remember about the Warriors sale and I'm trying to remember the name of the owner the previous owner but Chris um, Cohen. Yes, Chris Cohen. He had an opportunity to sign to sell to Ellison from Oracle. Yeah. who offered him the most amount of money. And Ellison was in, in the media locally in the Bay talking on a uh, a lot yep. about how he wanted to buy the team and how much better he yep. could make the team and um so he ended up giving, if I'm not mistaken, a nicer bid than Lakob and and uh, Guber did, but because he was basically like, you know, irked by Ellison, that he went with the lower bid. So that's something to keep in mind with Sarva. Yeah. And and I'm so, gonna throw this out there, and I'm gonna say this loud. You know what? If, if Sarva really Wants to save face, or maybe maybe get the world to heal a little bit, and and maybe start forgiving him a little bit. Why not find a, a, a maybe a black ownership group or or a, a female ownership group, and and give them an opportunity to really get a chance at this team? Um, you know, the NBA has has a black. One black owner, I guess, and what the only female owner is. Mm-hmm. There's is two. Either, it's kind of family stuff, right? Where it's not. just uh, them. Yeah,
0: Gail Benson and yeah, um, Paul Allen's yeah. Uh, Jeannie Buss and um, uh, Jody, Jody Allen, Allen. In- yeah. inherited yeah. Maybe, the team. All, all three of like, them inherited the team.
1: Maybe something like the Denver Broncos, where there there is some some strong black and female ownership in there. And I, I mean, I don't know if the world will ever forgive him, but if he does put his owners, you know, sell his team in that kind of direction, I'd be like, all right. Well, listen,
2: if I was crafting a, a big group, um, I would find out immediately how much longer Chris Paul wants to play.
0: Because yeah. um, huh. he you can't know be I part of an ownership. Huh. Well,
1: well I, how much longer I mean, does LeBron James want to play? Well, look, if is that is that if, worth retiring for?
0: I mean the, thing, the, the the guy's name who's been whispered in NBA ownership groups for 6 years is Barack Obama. If you want to have someone Yeah. yeah. But, you know, let me just read the man who's selling his statement today and we'll think about that. <laughs> in our cur- uh, he said as a man of faith, I believe in an atonement wait, wait, and a path stop to forgiveness.
1: Right read that part over.
0: As a man of faith I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate has become painfully clear that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I've said in the past. For those reasons, I'm beginning the process of seeking buyers for the sons of Mercury, um, he has been defiant this entire process. He was defiant before the before the Baxter story came out. He and his um, employees and attorneys were defiant after the report came out. They were defiant when the investigation came out. They were defiant when the when the penalty came out, and he's defiant to the end. So, I guess so I can be surprised. What you guys are suggesting would be terrific for the league. And, it, you know, obviously, if you, if somebody is going to invest in, in, a, in excess of $2 billion and they're going to be the lead investor, they're going to be the, the controlling owner. But I would think that anybody who is going to put an ownership group together would want to have strong representation. It would be terrific if you could have a former player as part of it. Well, and Charles um,
1: Barkley, too. I'm keeping an eye on him.
0: So Barkley was actually rumored back to back in the That's day. Maybe maybe he gotten that live money, Spears <laughs> from the from the golf. <laughs> uh, That's but, a little
2: morally uh, questionable too. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: he didn't get that live contract. Um, Barkley was actually rumored to join Sarver's ownership group at one time, and he ended mm-hmm. up not doing. It. I don't know the story of why he didn't, but I'll bet he's glad he did. <laughs> he yeah. did. He's <laughs> he didn't. yeah, Barkley obviously a Phoenix. Uh, uh, you know, you know, Mr. Basketball in Phoenix. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the Clutch Hitch, Strikeouts, Grand Salamis, Web Gems with nothing on your roof. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. But yes, uh, Sarver, you know, Sarver, based on what Baxter's reporting, can force the other owners to sell. He can force them yeah. out.
2: Now, and, listen, Brian, uh, I talk to people around the league in terms of what this could what they could go for. It it it's not you know, look, we'll find out what what assets they have, what the debt is like, but in terms of what the valuation is going to be like, I'm I think with the upcoming TV rights deal, with the value of other franchises, with the, with everything that the league has going for it right now, the expectation I've heard is it starts with a three instead, not a four, okay, but but that's so. That's a hell of a. That's a hell of a very big valuation. And that's a little bit more aggressive those... than
0: I. Yeah, that's a little bit more aggressive than I would go. Remember, the Nets sold for two point three, I believe, a couple of years ago. Um, I will point out that the the Suns when he bought the Suns, it was the, the Mercury and the Suns. Uh-huh. They have subsequently built a practice facility. Mm-hmm. which is on a valuable piece of land yeah. right on the Phoenix-Paradise Valley border. And so that would come with the team. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm and not saying we that. That's you did the be, arena.
0: That was the, the city owns the arena. Okay. But, yes, the, the arena. I mean, they should have built a new arena. It's yeah. better than it was. But still, it's still, unfortunately, yeah. in the in the. – I'm not going to go anywhere. I don't want to insult the Phoenix I
2: think team. we can actually find out what they were valued. I, I have to look this up.
0: So but Forbes valued equity. them, yeah, f- yes. Forbes valued them at one point eight. Sportico, uh, which is a little bit more aggressive, um, uh, than than Forbes valued them at one point nine billion. Um, I think it'll be at least two five, but I'm not fighting you, Ramon, on three. But when so you think I'll about their this. value, all you also have to think that that piece of property and. Praxis facility has added to yeah. their value and isn't there
1: like housing okay. and commercial stuff there next to it too that'll be part he of that he doesn't
0: the, the sarver doesn't actually own that you know who's okay. a big investor in that oh. devin booker <laughs> devin booker's got his money in that in that development
2: okay yeah. so here's here's some here's what we can look at july 2021 this is july 20 july 7th uh the phoenix suns were valued at 1.55 when dial uh it's a private equity firm they made uh they they bought five like less than five percent as like an lp that limited partnership in the sons so on that valuation that was basically a year ago a a little over a year ago they valued
0: 1.55 right when minority shares of teams sell they sell below what correct the value but but one thing i want to point out and i don't want to get too far down the Financial yeah. rabbit hole. Robert Starver only owns 35%. So um that's still a lot. It's a nice job. Um, and so he will be giving, you know, when he sells, he will be making hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. But yeah, if the team sells for three billion, he will do very well, but he won't pocket three billion. But nonetheless,
1: yeah, this ain't the dukes now. He he's walking away with some cash.
0: Yeah. Um, and this is what happened with Sterling, right? Ramona? Ramona yeah, he made two billion. <laughs> Will you tell, this was, this was in your, um, this seriously it was my favorite part of your Sterling tapes. Um, you the Sterling affairs 30 for 30.
2: Yeah.
0: Can you retell the story of when Sterling, I know I've done this to you before, but I yeah, just want to okay. again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because eventually Donald Sterling and Steve Ballmer, they had to speak, uh, Shelly yeah. negotiated the deal. Shelly Sterling. Donald's wife negotiated the two billion sale. but could you retell the story of when they did the transaction?
2: Oh, uh, okay, so it was towards the end and Sterling was just basically he didn't really have the legal authority to be involved in this sale at that point because there was um, there was this unbelievable chess move that Shelley Sterling and her lawyers executed, which was to get Donald Sterling mentally incapac- declared mentally incapacitated. Uh, by two separate psychologists who evaluated him, um, to make financial decisions on behalf of the Sterling family trust. Okay. So she was able to sell the team, but he still tried to sue. Okay. And, and it, they were in court and these, these cases were not going to go anywhere, but they wanted to close the sale. They were an escrow. Ballmer was basically taking one last ditch effort to, uh, one last ditch effort to, you know, hey Donald, let's 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 drop all this lawsuit stuff and let's get this done and clean all the legal stuff up. And uh, and when they met, I think the I think the part you're going for, Brian, is when Sterling asked him why he has uh, so much cash laying around. Right? He's like,
0: like he keeps. If I remember right, he said, "Do you really have two billion dollars in yeah. cash that you're going to pay me?" Yeah,
2: and do you really have that? And and balmer did, and he and Sterling was like, "Well, that's stupid." Why would you keep cash laying around like that? Like,
0: why would you just be liquid <laughs> like that? You should have right. that in
2: real estate. Or I mean, I'm why don't you own, why don't here. you
0: own thirty five, uh, seven hundred and fifty uh, apartment buildings where you're, yeah. you know,
2: I mean, feeding your listen, tenants badly. Y- this this is how the billionaire class thinks. He's n- Sterling's not wrong, right? <laughs> like, if you have yeah. that much cash, it would be make you you're actually losing money by keeping it liquid. You should turn it into. An asset like real estate or that that depreciates, etc. Okay, very high level. He was turning it into
0: an asset. Yeah, it's about to be worth well over three billion
1: dollars. Yeah,
2: yeah. But what Um, what the the larger point about the Dial Capital and the valuation is that when you're buying a piece of a team, that valuation is for a minority stake, which means you don't have controlling ownership. You're just getting some of the dividends, so it's not worth as much. But when you're buying a controlling ownership stake. That's worth more. So premium a year ago. Also there's um, going to be a bunch of bidders.
0: People didn't want slices of NBA teams. That's right. That had no voting power or you couldn't tell them who to draft. So
2: that's right. That's right.
0: I will say this when Sarver bought the Suns, as I said, he, he, they assumed 200 million in debt and they, and his group paid 200 million in cash just to give you an idea of how the land was different. And this, none of this is really relevant, but it's just, he had a three-year payment plan uh he oh, sold to jerry colangelo and uh i'm sorry he sold he bought from jerry colangelo and he paid colangelo over years. um uh-huh. so um i believe steve balmer paid by wiring the sterlings the money <laughs> i mean literally your, here's steve your Ballmer full two bills
2: <laughs> <laughs> like he could sneeze yeah. and 2 billion would come out like that's yeah. how much he makes in an hour or something. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I think so, it's uh, it's going to be a fun sale. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, from, I, from what I, from what I hear, it, this will probably take a couple of months.
0: It's not going to be immediate, but I um, think it these, might take, are, it, it might even take longer than that Ramona, yeah, unless you have somebody right. like Balmer who just comes in and blows away. the bidding. Yeah. And, th-
2: and this is, and this is interesting with Ballmer. And I, I, I think I talked about this in the podcast, but it's worth repeating when Shelly Sterling met with Steve Ballmer um, and uh, <laughs> this is another funny little story. She told me when he, he called her, so, you know, she was in charge of the sale and he called her uh, and she's not a morning person. She was like, I think she was up and she, uh, he kind of surprised her on her cell phone. And uh, he goes, hi, this is Steve Ballmer. Is this Shelly? And she goes, who she thought he said Steve Ballmer, you know, like like a like a bomber jet or something or a bomber jacket. Like he didn't know yeah. what. <laughs> she had to call somebody. He's like, somebody named and she took the call and was very nice. And then she called her lawyer and said somebody Steve Ballmer called. Um, and uh, he go, you mean Steve Ballmer, like the Microsoft CEO, right? <laughs> and it was it was it was like a, you know when you don't answer that when you don't know a number like a like a cell phone comes call comes in you're not sure who it is. Like I, I just I just love that scene of her getting surprised on her cell phone and it was early in the morning anyway she met with him and uh he she really wanted to sell to one person not a group um she wanted it to be kind of part of it was like part of her family she thought she wanted to sell somebody who would be part of their family and it would be a single owner but it also helped that balmer basically said whatever the high bid is i'll i'll top it whatever and she liked him enough to to say okay and it was like she liked, all his, those she liked his
0: uh like his balance enough to believe that yeah. he would do it too
2: like whatever whoever came up short like they had no chance at the time remember grant hill was part of a group um yeah. there was no, david there was Geffen of, was part yeah. of a group there was a few yeah, there was a number so of groups these um, personal relationships it's going to be interesting to see how they how they play out here
0: though yeah well yeah so spears before we go um I've talked to well, I don't want to say who I talked to, but um what do you think this does for the Suns as a team starting on Monday?
1: Um probably takes some stress off the players a little bit. Um, but I think
0: it takes a lot yeah. off.
1: But I just still wonder what they're comfortable saying. Like I'm really curious to what all their stars say, what Monty says. There's going to be a variety of questions. Um, how does this predominantly Black team feel about the use of the N-word by the guy? Did they, get, did they ever get, hear him say it? Um, Monty is certainly, I, I, I implore anybody to read the story I did about, you know, religion is hard to write about, but the way Monty mm-hmm. talked about it, you, you certainly get a lot of respect from him. And I know he's been very introspective about everything and i'm sure that statement that sarah had today and i asked you to repeat the religion part i wonder what monty thinks about that but the one thing is these guys have had a lot of time to really like think about things and i'm sure book got some stories right and um so i listen i don't i don't know
0: i don't know how monty really felt but i when the day the baxter story came out I asked him how much you know he turned down the Lakers to go to the Suns. Yeah. And the Lakers ownership group is Genie. highly respected. Robert Sarver not highly respected. Yeah. And I asked him how much of a factor Robert Sarver was. And he at the time, I mean at the time said there was a he was a positive force his conversations with Robert were positive. Yeah. So, you know, he, and, and he said, I want to be there. So I'm going to be interested to see how he
1: yeah.
0: frames this because he, I'm sure he didn't know about all this, but he also, yeah. you know, so well, to his know, credit,
1: he also yeah. said, Hey, I'm going to wait and read everything. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't give him a vote of confidence. That's true. He, he, he said, hey, I'm going to wait and read everything, and then I'll let you know how I feel, which is why I think Monday will be very, very interesting for him, because he is somebody of character, like true character. And, uh, But yeah, man, I, it's, it's, it's probably going to be a, a very sad day, too, because you are going to probably get some emotion, because uh, I know they've talked to people who have been affected as well, if they haven't been mm-hmm. affected themselves.
2: So I'll tell and, you this. And then reading. can we
1: give a shout out to somebody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Julie Fi, who mm-hmm. is probably knows more than anything, like as much as anybody about the true true stuff about Sarver, who was there for 30 years and kind of... She's
0: the head of public relations well, for Well, she kind of been
1: slowly like pushed out. Um, yeah.
0: She's and, no longer with the organization.
1: Yeah. And she was, I think, you know, the as as good as anybody in PR for a while.
2: Yeah. A long I agree time. With that.
1: And so I it's it's sad to see her go. But I, I'm sure she's dealt with her share of stuff over the years and maybe one day she'll do a book. But I just want to tell her thank you because she is one of the stars of sports uh, industry. She worked with the Kansas City Kings. She's one of the um women who opened doors in the media relations world for other women. Like, and so it's, it's sad to see her go, but I'm guessing with everything that's happened that she probably feels a little bit better today too.
2: Um, I'm glad you said that. And, I, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. Like, you know, in our um, line of work, like I, I generally don't get personal about this kind of stuff because it's our job to be objective and, and to hear everything and report on everything. And so I, I, I'm not going to deviate from that. Now, but as an observation, um, there were some awful things that were said and done to women in that organization as well, and you know sometimes it's hard as a woman to like call that out because you seem like the angry woman right, or you'll seem like the like you're taking something personally when it didn't happen to you or whatever it is, but I appreciate the comments from chris paul i appreciate the comments from other men in our my colleague richard jefferson was sitting next to me zach Lowe, mark like i appreciate people shining a light on those comments and the the hurtfulness of that stuff as
1: well yeah well well said
0: like i said it's not it's a like hard Brian, I think we're gonna see it's some not, it's, we're it's, gonna it's, see it's, some I,
1: emotion on Monday, Brian. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a no, lot deeper than we can imagine.
0: It it's not I know that there's celebration that's yeah. gone, but it's not I'm not, I don't feel good. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel good. I
2: mean Maybe the so. truth is, like, you know, I read that thing at the story about the pregnant woman, right? Like, and it's yeah. somebody who just like I literally just came back from having a baby, right? So there was like a there's an empathy there and a, a personalization that I feel that um, I felt like, wow, like people mm-hmm. actually called caught that part, you know, and they called attention to that. And like you mentioning, Julie, like that, um, you know, we like there's a there's a lot of people who probably spoke to Baxter, probably spoke on, you know, these I see I see him sitting there communicating with current and former employees, right, or who were part of the all the people that he spoke to and sources of the law firm spoke to, etc. Um, and they they just like there's a lot of people who who don't have that platform and who don't have a um, a voice that uh, that I think probably feel like okay, I, I'm, like what you said earlier, Brian. It was it was yucky the way that everybody got there, but at least um, there is some sense that those voices were heard, those those incidents were reported, right? Like those were the, that people like listened
0: well a book closes today but there's more yeah. and we're going to hear a lot next week thank you mr spears thank you ramona thank you to our producers for putting this together uh, thank you for listening to the hoop collective we'll talk to you soon